and that we will love him above everything. We ask these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. Now, as I promised you, I'm going to talk a little bit about the book of Daniel, but there are a couple of things I would like to mention. I had a lady this past week. She called me up. I had left with her. And if anybody wants it, I have a few copies of these, just if you're interested. By the way, I really appreciate the Sabbath school discussion. Uh, this is exactly on track where we need to be going. The book of Daniel is a book that provides the guideline and the formula for having a very close walk with God. And the question of diet is very important. So we need to practice this and study and become knowledgeable. But there's a, a few papers that I gathered some information, put them together, and I'd given these to a lady who had made a purchase. She's made several purchases for me. And she called me up this week. She said, you know what? She said, I, I did some some fasting uh, a day and then uh, 24 hours and then a 36-hour fast. And I'd given her two papers, one on dry and one on liquid fasting. She said, I really got some good results. But she said, I lost a copy of my paper. She said, please send me another copy. So, but um, I would encourage you to, to study a little, some about fasting and to incorporate some fasting in your life. I try and do it about 24 hours a week. I really prefer doing it longer, but I'm pretty active and I, <clears throat> so forth. But um, fasting is really good. And I have a paper here that claims, or I have some information here that claims if you do dry fasting, it works three times faster than liquid fasting. So one day of dry fasting is like three days of water fasting. So I wouldn't suggest doing dry fasting a real long time at all, uh, but it does. It's, it has a very concentrated effect. But I have some papers here. Please use wisdom and discretion, you know, when you do these things. But I think this is some very good information. So I'd just like you to know that I have some copies of this if you would like, okay? Um, <clears throat> sometime back, a friend of mine, he's a pastor from Indiana. He called me. He, we talk once more on the phone. And he told me about a formula that he had learned from a doctor off of 3ABN, and I think he also learned from the same source that there is a prediction that in the next 15 years, 100 million Americans will be battling with Alzheimer's disease. That's, that's pretty amazing. And, you know, all the other things that are going on too. So anyway, this doctor gave a formula, and I'm not going to take time here, but if anybody wants it, I can jot it after church or get it to you somehow. But the doctor gave a formula that you can take once a day for 90 days, it's uh, ginger, cayenne, garlic, and half a lime blended in a cup of water. I could give you the recipe. You take that once a day for 90 days, and it's supposed to be very effective for cleaning the plaque and the inflammation out of your arteries in your brain and in your, the rest of your body. So it's supposed to be a real good fight-off for uh, you know, oncoming Alzheimer's and I'm sure other things too. My friend said he was doing it. He's similar age and health that I am, but he said I'm experiencing a better mental clearness doing it. So anyway, if anybody has an interest in that, I would be glad to help you with that. Um, and it sounds like our dear sister here, uh, Robin, has some good input too. I would be interested to know what you were doing for people to help them with their high blood pressure. So in a few moments, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 12. But I want to spend just a few moments here on a thought before we go into that. And it's a thought in the book of Romans, and it's on the subject of justification by faith. Okay? Just to get our minds on this a little bit. So if you would, please open your, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. And I want to look at that chapter near the, near the um, end. <clears throat> in fact... Let's start with Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Okay, Romans chapter 4, verse 19. I've maybe even uh, spent some time on this in this pulpit before, but I don't have no apologies for repetition. <clears throat> and I want to bring out a few observations here, okay? This, in Romans chapter 4, the last part, is talking about Abraham and Sarah and how they could not have a baby and how God miraculously gave them a baby because they believe God's word. Okay? So let's ponder this just a little bit, and I want to draw a few observ- uh, some observations from it. So you're looking at Romans chapter 4, verse 19, and, and Paul says there, and I'm reading from the King James Version, Paul says there of Abraham, it says, and being not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded 
that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. So the passage is saying that God was promising a blessing to Abraham. In this case, it was a child. And Abraham, on his, on his own ability, had zero ability to accomplish what God had promised. None. Paul says his body was dead. I mean, biologically, his ability to reproduce was done. It, it was not there. Okay? But the Bible says of Abraham, it says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And the Bible says, And Abraham was fully persuaded. Now, if you come up against someone that's fully persuaded, they are unstoppable. When Martin Luther stood before the, the, the great tribunal, the Diet in, in Worms, Germany, in his time, he was unstoppable. Before the greatest assembly of the world, he says, Here I stand, I can do no other. God so help me, amen. For it is unsafe for a Christian to speak against his conscience. They couldn't topple the man. He was unstoppable. He had, a, he had an Abraham-like faith. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And Martin Luther had had a long experience in Catholicism, and he found that in Catholicism there was no peace with God and there was no victory over sin. And when he finally turned to Christ, he found peace with God and he found victory over sin. So Paul says of Abraham here, and being fully persuaded, Abraham was fully persuaded That what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, was imputed unto him for righteousness. Then he goes on to say, saying, look, the reason I'm telling you this is so you can have the same benefit. Now, Paul says in Romans 4 here, he says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now, in Gospel Workers, page 161, there's a quote. Many of you may well know this quote, but I want to copy it back to you. And it says this. It says this. The thought that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, not because of any merit on our part, but as a free gift from God, is a precious thought. When, the, when Ellen White pens, not because of any merit on our part, she is simply saying, you cannot buy or earn in any fashion the favor of God. It's a gift from the cross of Calvary. So it says there in that passage, it says the thought that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, not because of any uh, merit on our part, but as a free gift from God, imputed to us, yeah. Is, but as a free gift from God is a precious thought. And then he goes on to say, the enemy of God is not willing that this truth should be made plain. Okay? For he knows, he knows, that if the people receive it fully, his power will be broken. In other words, when you fully embrace the truth of the righteousness of Christ being given to you as a gift, the righteousness of Christ means that God forgives you of your past sins and it also means that the Holy Spirit comes and lives resident in the believing heart and gives you power to obey. Justification includes both. Not only forgiveness, but the new birth. The Holy Spirit comes resident in the soul and gives you power to obey. The thought that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, not because of any merit on our part, but as a free gift from God, is a precious thought. The enemy of God and man is not willing that this truth should be made known, for he knows that if the people receive it fully, his power will be broken. In other words, when we fully embrace the truth of justification by faith, we will also be immediately on track for gaining victory over sin. But you've got to start there. If you try and change the human character or gain victory over sin or Satan on your own power, you'll be like the floundering man in Romans 7 who said, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Without Christ, this is the condition. Okay? 
Now I want to go quickly down through the first few verses, and then we're going to dive into the book of Daniel, of Romans 5. I want to go quickly through the first few verses of Romans 5, then I want to dive into the book of Daniel. So then Paul just finishes this argument that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. By the way, and I want to interject this right now, please, please put it on your, 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 your goal, your ambition, your itinerary, or whatever, however you want to say it. Please put it in your plans this year to spend some time every day of your devotional time in memorizing scripture. Sometime I would really like to just maybe do a whole sermon on that, but please memorize scripture. Here's why, because it connects you with God. It'll build your faith. It'll build your faith. And in my opinion, I'm going to give you my opinion, the very, 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 very least we should be memorizing is one verse a week this coming year. When this year's over, at the very, very, very least, you should have 50 verses memorized. In fact, if you want to pick a little book of the Bible, 1 John, 1 Peter, Galatians, Philippians, one of those little books, there are 100 verses. Read a chapter 30, 40, 50 times, and then after that, start memorizing it. It'll take you a couple months, maybe. Don't have to go But anyway, I really want to encourage you to memorize verses because by the, the word of God, we become a partaker of the divine nature, as Peter says. And also, this will provide mental discipline, which will strengthen the mind. I'm meandering a little bit, but I, I would like to read this to you. Uh, in fact, I'm going to read this to you. And then I'm going to shut this phone off. Have mercy on me for taking a phone in the pulpit, but I'm going to shut it off after I read this, okay? Do you realize, brothers and sisters, that we live in a society today because of all the electronic communication that is literally debilitating the minds of human beings? I even saw a worldly report recently. It said children up to five years old, their very maximum limit should be one hour a day in front of a screen because they're seriously concerned about the effect on the eyes and the brain and its development, Okay. I have here a little cartoon, um, and I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> it starts out this way. It's Calvin and Hobbes. He's the little guy's in front of the, compu- of the, in front of the TV, and he says this. He says, oh, great altar of passive entertainment. Oh, great altar of passive entertainment. Bestow upon me thy discordant images at such speed as to render, as to render linear thought impossible. And then he says this, O greatest of the mass media, thank you for elevating emotion, reducing thought, and stifling imagination. Thank you for the artificiality of quick solutions and for the insidious manipulation of human desires for commercial purposes. This bowl of lukewarm tapioca, this bowl of lukewarm tapioca represents my brain. I offer it to thee in humble sacrifice. May thy flickering light continue forever. Now I'm going to shut my phone off. So even the world is realizing the insidious. Look, in these last days, you know, it's just part of life now. You've got to be in front of a screen, okay? Don't do it anymore than you absolutely have to. And certainly, God forbid that we waste our time on any wrong, immoral, sinful things. If they're on there, shut them off. And even things that are, aren't even inherently evil, a lot of them are a huge distraction from what's really important, Okay? The fact of the matter is, is that, that even though these things are coming with electronic light, these communications are coming with electronic light and they dazzle and, and entrap the senses, they are filled with moral darkness from the powers of darkness and the devil is pouring darkness into the minds of people and, and, they, and he's shutting out the light that would come to them from God's word. So fight it off and... Uh, uh, wean yourself away from these things. We have, we're really uh, in a battle now um, uh, when it comes to the media. Anyway, please, my encouragement is to you, memorize scripture. It's a lot of fun. Um, by the way, just a little, uh, I've played at memorizing scripture for years. I wish I'd been more serious with it. Last year, I decided to get serious with it. Now this year, I've decided to get even a little more serious. And let me just give you one point of, of advice when it comes to memorizing, or point or two on me- when it comes to memorizing scripture. You can read over something quite a few times. If it's a verse, you can read it maybe, you know, 10 whatever times and then start memorizing it. A chapter, there's a lot more connecting thoughts there. So I'd read it at least 30 to 50 times, then begin memorizing it. But once you have something memorized, you've got to keep it in your schedule to keep repeating it at, at the very least every couple months. You, 
Once you burn it into the mind, you need to go back over it again every couple months. It may well be the day is coming soon. In fact, we know prophetically this is a fact that when we stand before the courts of the world, we're going to be thankful for every piece of fact of information we have ingrained in our minds and our, our heads, especially the word of God. One verse of scripture, one sentence of scripture is more of more value than 10,000 of men's ideas or arguments. Okay. So anyway, that's a side note, but very important, and I wanted to share that with you. Now, we've seen how Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And now in uh, Romans chapter 5, I just want to look at this briefly, and then we'll go on. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul, after saying all these things, Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And he says, this is for us too. Then in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. Therefore, being justified by faith, those are justified by faith or who are fully persuaded that what God has promised he is able also to perform. Please embrace Christ. And if you need to repent, go to him first and then ask him for help to repent. Don't stay back because you haven't repented. Go to Christ and he will help you repent. Repent you, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then watch the language as he moves on for the next few verses. He says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in, the, in hope of the glory of God. And he says, And not only so, but we glory in Tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know what tribulation means? It's kind of like the idea of, of a sledgehammer, keep beating on something, keep beating on something. And Paul says we stand through tribulation, even when we're opposed and persecuted and punished, as it were, he says we, in fact, he says we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh what? Patience, and patience is strength of character, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Brothers and sisters, in these last days, in order to experience the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain, we must fully embrace the, the concept and the understanding of justification by faith. Gospel Workers 161, I'm going to quote that, and then we're going to go to Daniel 12. I'm going to quote it once more. The thought that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, not because of any merit on our part, but as a free gift from God, is a precious thought. The enemy of God and man is not willing that this thought should be made known, for he knows that when the people receive it fully, his power will be broken. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. Okay, now let's go to the book of Daniel and dive in there just a little bit and uh, draw out some things. Book of Daniel, I want to go to the last chapter. Book of Daniel, chapter 12 and verse 1. Okay? <clears throat> Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1. says this, and at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So here it's describing the last great time of trouble and then the resurrection of the righteous and the wicked, and the reward, the great reward of the righteous. Michael, Michael is Christ. Michael is Christ. It says, and at that time, so whatever events are going on in uh, Daniel chapter 11, he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Michael is Christ. 
Okay, this can be proved. I'm not going to elaborate on that now, but this can be proved scripturally. Michael is Christ. Now, it says that he is the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. In other words, he is their mediator, he is their redeemer, he is their intercessor, he stands for them. But the time is going to come when Michael stands up, and when Michael stands up, that means he takes his kingdom. When a king stands up, that means he takes his kingdom. And the time is going to come when Christ will take his kingdom. Revelation chapter 11. And there are great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You know how fast the speed of light is, right? 186,000 miles per second. You travel at that speed, you'll whip around this planet seven times in one second. That's the speed of light. If you travel that fast for 100,000 years, you'll cross our Milky Way. And our Milky Way is one of 200 billion galaxies that are out there in the universe. Mm -hmm. That's our Savior. He created it all. You know, a friend of mine sent me recently a a paper that gave us a little study. And in one cell, they... I don't know how they calculate, computed this, but this is what the scientists are claiming, that in one cell there are 3.3 billion pairs of DNA material keeping a record of your genetics in every cell. 3.3 billion pairs of DNA in one cell. Mm. Look, we need to understand how magnificently great our Savior is so that we will have a comprehension of how we can trust in him and depend upon him. Okay, so Daniel is a really good man for many, many reasons to write this book, and it's a delight just to study his life and study this book. The uh, book of Daniel is for the last days, both the stories in the book of Daniel and the prophecies in the book of Daniel. They're especially for these last days, and they focus on these last days. But when my, when when Daniel said Michael's going to stand up and there's going to be a great time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, Daniel himself went through a time of trouble. And he came out on top. You'll read it. He came out on top. And here's a little bit of the background. In fact, if you want to turn briefly to the book of Isaiah. um, Chapter 38. I'm just going to tell you what's in chapter 38. We'll look at chapter 39 briefly. Isaiah chapter 38 and 39. Okay. So here's what happened. You have this really good king, Hezekiah. At least, I think he was a really good king. I think so. But um, he's on the throne for 12 years or so. But anyway, the prophet came to Hezekiah one day. He said, look, he said, set your house in order. It's your time to die. And that was some pretty bitter news, and Hezekiah rolled over in bed, and he wept. He said, Lord, look, he said, I've served you with a perfect heart. Please, I don't want to die now. By the way, it would have been better if he had died then. <clears throat> because several years after he was healed, he, he, he fathered the most wicked king that Israel had ever had, Manasseh, and he reigned on the throne of Israel for 55 years. It would have been better if that plague had not happened to uh, Israel. But anyway, so... Hezekiah rolls over in bed. He says, Lord, please give me some life. So, you know, God's, God's very tender hearted. He said, okay. He said, I'll give you 15 more years. And um, he said, well, what am I going to have for a sign? He said, well, the sundial is going to turn back 10 degrees and um, put a lump of figs on the, you know, there's some natural remedy there. Put a lump of figs and you're going to get well. So many, many hundreds of miles, maybe a thousand or however far it was off in Babylon, the, the, these philosophers or astronomers or whatever, they see the sundial turn back 10 degrees, and they say, what is this? And then they get news that the king of Israel had been healed from a plague that should have put him in the grave, so they made a journey, and they said, wow, we, we want to find out about this man, how he's got healed, and, and about his God. Okay, now let's read in Isaiah 39. At that time, Merodach belayed, and I'm in... Uh, Isaiah chapter, I'm in Isaiah chapter 39, verse 1. 
At that time, Merodach believed and the son of Belid and king of Babylon sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor. And all that was, and all that was found in his treasures, there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. So here they come, they came to Babylon and Hezekiah showed him everything. He says, man, look, look at all the buildings we have and the cash. And he's, you know, so they left. And then after they left, look at verse three. Then came Isaiah, the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, what said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, they are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, what have they seen in thy house? In other words, what did you tell them when they came? And Hezekiah answered, all that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Okay, here's the problem. Instead of giving them a Bible study, Hezekiah showed them how nice his palace was. He missed the opportunity to be a tremendous witness. And all he did is rouse the covetousness of their greedy eyes. Instead of glorifying the God of heaven who had healed him, given him life, turned back the sun on the sundial 10 degrees, he missed the point. And in a phenomenal opportunity to witness, he glorified himself instead of glorifying God. May the Lord help us in every situation, as Paul told Timothy, be instant in season, out of season. May the Lord help us to be the right witness at the right time. May we ever be on cue for heaven's direction that souls will not be lost because of our neglect. So Hezekiah missed the the opportunity, and Isaiah said, look, uh, you gave them the wrong package of information the world's going to pass away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of god abideth forever and then isaiah said to hezekiah hear the word of the lord of hosts behold the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to babylon nothing shall be left said the lord verse seven and of thy sons that shall issue from thee which thou shalt beget shall they take away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Isaiah's predicting, you miss your opportunity to witness, the day's going to come when the children, your, your children that are going to be born to you are going to be hauled off as captives to Babylon to serve there, and they will be made eunuchs there. They will be neutered and made eunuchs there to serve. This happened approximately 100 years before the captivity of Daniel and his three friends actually occurred, and during that time, there were mothers in Israel who knew this prophecy, they were studying the Bible. They knew this prophecy and they said, how can I raise my child so that he will be ready for this great time of trouble that is coming so that he will stand and honor the God of heaven? Brothers and sisters, you realize that this last fall, it's been 175 years since October 22, 1844. God has delayed mercifully and wonderfully for many, 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 many decades. But I believe we're rapidly moving down now to the time of the end. And we have got to be on cue. We've got to be led of the Lord to get ready for the crisis that's about to burst upon the world. As the book Prophets and Kings says on page 626, we should prepare for, for what is about to burst upon the world as an overwhelming crisis. Okay, So these mothers were training their children. And Daniel just so happened to be so blessed with a mother. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their mothers trained them for what was coming ahead. And those men shone with tremendous Christian purity. They did not back down. Brothers and sisters, we are headed for the greatest time of trouble the world has ever seen. It's going to be worse than Daniel faced. And God's going to have a people in these last days that are going to stand just like Daniel did. If you want to read a really good chapter, go to Prophets and Kings and read the chapter in the court of Babylon. Read that chapter a few times. In the court of Babylon. It describes Daniel and his three friends how they walked with God like Enoch did. They were constantly studying, constantly praying. Their goal was to perfect a Christian character. Their goal was to glorify God. And several times in that chapter, it says what it says what Daniel, what God was to Daniel and his three friends, he purposes and he means to be to his people today who will follow him. Okay? Now, 
I don't know how much I can get away with, but I'm going to push the clock a little bit today, and if I see you're about done, I'm going to shut it off because I try and be respectful of people's time. But I want to share with you something here that I think will be a meaningful thought for you. In Daniel chapter 12, 1, it says there will be the greatest time of trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but almost every day I live, I have trouble, some kind of trouble. And some weeks I have tremendous amount of trouble. I have the assurance that the devil hates me, and I have the assurance that Jesus loves me. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> uh, but trouble means confusion, and, and, well, I don't need to describe to you what trouble means. But Daniel says it's going to be the greatest time of trouble ever. Okay? Now, there's two sides in the great controversy. There's not three. There's not a hundred. There's only two. And that's those who are in harmony with the law of God and those who are in love with Christ and those who are against God's law and who are against Christ. There's only two sides in the great controversy. Okay? If you... And I know this is a little bit theoretical, but if you did not have God nor the devil in the picture, I'm just trying to reason with you now. Don't misunderstand me. But if you did not have God or or the devil in the picture, it would still be a fact that the principle of truth cannot be defeated and the principle of error and heresy and sin is a self-defeating principle. Okay? And this is a concept that we need to understand because we, in the last days... The devil is going to leverage so much manipulation and intimidation and pressure upon God's people that there's going to be people who have professed the third angel's message, but as the storm approaches, they abandon the ranks and join the opposition because they do not have a a correct faith in Christ, and they think that they're joining the side that's going to win, and they're fooled. They're absolutely fooled. Look, the devil is an artist at making the wrong appear right, and he's an artist at making the right appear weak and that it will be defeated, and that is a total lie. Okay? Now I'm going to give you some scriptures, and I want just a few scriptures to kind of illustrate this for you. The first one, to me, this one sums it all up, but I'm going to give you a few more. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I believe it's verse 8. Paul says this. He says, For we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Just chew on that a little bit. Do you realize what this text is saying? I'll repeat it again. For we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Look, if you fight the truth, you will promote the truth. If you attack the truth, you will promote the truth. If you promote the truth, you will promote the truth. It cannot be defeated. Sin is a self-defeating principle. Okay? Now, let's go kind of quickly. I want to take you to the book of Isaiah and chapter 19. Isaiah chapter 19. Then we're going to go back to Psalms, and then we're going to come up to Proverbs. This, we could spend a lot of time illustrating this, but these few texts are going to plainly uh, bring out what is um, the point here. Okay, Isaiah chapter 19. Are you there? Isaiah 19. I'm looking at verse 2. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians. The Egyptians are the symbol for the world. God says, I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight everyone against his brother. Okay? In other words, the world, even the world, fights against itself. Now, when you read down through Daniel chapter 11, you're reading mainly of the king of the north and the king of the south and how they fight back and forth, and at times one is winning and the other time the other is winning, but they're both gains and losses, gains and losses back and forth. And finally, you come to this great king who... uh, who glorifies himself above all gods, which is the papacy. And then Daniel says at the end of Daniel chapter 11, yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Okay? Revelation 17, talking about the ten horns on the beast, it says, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire for strong is the Lord God who judgeth them. The world itself is going to collapse on its own internal fighting at the very end, brothers and sisters. Did you realize that even Satan and his, his host are only agreed on one thing. They fight and war on all kinds of other things, but they're only agreed on one thing, and that's their hostility against Christ. That's the only thing they're united on. Okay? 
Now, let's read some verses. Let's go back to Psalms uh, chapter 7. And if you want to mark these as we go. Psalms chapter 7. And I'm looking here at um, verse 9. Are you there? Psalm 7 verse 9. Psalm 7 verse 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. Okay, so the wickedness of the wicked will come to an end. Verse 15 now, same chapter, Psalms 7, verse 15. Listen to this. Talking about the wicked, it says this. He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. When Haman made gallows, who was hung on the gallows? When the the chief men in uh, Media Persia conned uh, Darius into making a law to give Daniel to the lions for lunch, who ended up being in the lion's den for lunch? Mm-hmm. Don't fight against God. Mm-mm-mm. So in verse 15, it says, He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. Verse 16, His mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. Okay? Now, please go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 11. And you'll find that this is fun. This is one of the fun things to look for in the Bible. You'll find this principle uh, repeated quite a few times. I'm looking at uh, Proverbs uh, Chapter 11, if you would, verse 5. Proverbs 11, verse 5. Proverbs 11, 5. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall what? Yes, the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Verse 6. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in what? In their own naughtiness. Do you see the self-defeating principle in sin? Um. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 13. Chapter 12, verse 13. The wicked is snared by the what? So what does the wicked do? He does himself in. Isn't that right? You see that? Maybe that's enough. We have got to understand, brothers and sisters, that in these last days when we stand up for the law of God, for the truth of the three angels' messages, for the seventh-day Sabbath, and for the truths that God has given us as a people, we are standing on the platform of eternal truth that cannot be defeated. And in order for us to stand like Daniel and his three friends did in Babylon, we must have the illumination of the Spirit of God or we are going to be intimidated by the opposition of the enemy. We've got to have that Luther-like faith, that Daniel-like faith, who said, here I stand, I can do no other. God so help me, amen. And this is a faith that's developed over months and years as we continue to dedicate ourselves to God. Okay? Now, I'd like for you to go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and then we wanna, I want to go back to the book of Daniel as we wrap it up. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll give you the verse. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 32, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, it says this. Are you there? Okay, Hebrews eleven thirty-two. Paul says, but call to remembrance the former days. Call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. So you have two Hebrews 11... Oh, thank you so much. I apologize. Hmm, sorry about that. Chapter 10. Uh, excuse me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. He says, but remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Now, there's two main words in that text. One is illuminated and one is endured. Illumination means you have light from God. Look at Job. How did Job endure what he went through? There was a lot he didn't even understand about what was going on then, but he did say this. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. 
Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, he says, in which after you were illuminated, what happened after you were illuminated? What did you do? You endured. Brothers and sisters, the book of Daniel was given us in these last days that we may be illuminated by the Spirit of God, see the divine side of the great controversy, the good side of the great controversy, and have the, not only the intellectual but the spiritual illumination and the spiritual fortitude that's given us by the Spirit of God to stand through these last days. Okay, so when the devil starts hammering at your life, you hang on. Okay, I'm going to read for you a couple things here that are so good. This is in the book Prophets and Kings. This is talking about Jeremiah and his work with the Israelites before they were taken to Babylon and during that time. Listen to this. This is Prophets and Kings, page 461. The prophet's absolute faith, the prophet's absolute faith in God's eternal purpose to bring order out of confusion. The prophet's absolute faith in God's eternal purpose to bring order out of confusion And to demonstrate to the nations of the earth and to the entire universe his attributes of justice and love now led him to plead confidently in behalf of those who might turn from evil to righteousness. Jeremiah had an absolute confidence that God would turn order out of confusion. Isn't that tremendous? Let me read you another one. This is page 576. This is so good. And I will be real frank with you. The last few months I have been clinging to this promise. Page 576, Prophets and Kings, says this. To his children today, the Lord declares, to his children today, the Lord declares, be strong and work, for I am with you. Be strong and work, for I am with you. Then it says, the Christian always has a strong helper in the Lord. The Christian always has a strong helper in the Lord. The way of the Lord's helping, we may not know, but this we do know. He will never fail those who put their trust in him. Could Christians realize, could Christians realize how many times the Lord has ordered their way that the purposes of the enemy concerning them might not be accomplished They would not stumble along complainingly. Their faith would be stayed on God. And no trial would have power to move them. That is breathtaking. I have a book here. Um, it's one of the really good commentaries. It's by Stephen Haskell. On the, it's called Daniel the Prophet, the story of Daniel the Prophet. In the first chapter, he mentions a lot of things, but he mentions a Hebrew maxim or a Hebrew saying that was known among the Jews in times of old, and it said this, Jerusalem was destroyed Because the education of her children was neglected. Jerusalem was destroyed because the education of her children was neglected. Brothers and sisters, if you and I are going to be successful in getting to the kingdom of heaven and in navigating and enduring what's coming in the future, by the way, Let's not look at this future in a wrong, intimidating, unbelieving way. I don't care how weak you are. God can make you strong, and he can help anybody through. Let's not listen to fear. We are not to listen to fear. We are to listen to the word of God, okay? But the Hebrew maxim, the Jewish maxim said that Jerusalem was destroyed because the education of her children was neglected. 
Do you realize that today in Adventist homes and in Adventist education and in Adventist lives, there is a tremendous battle going on between Christ and Satan to get the attention of God's people? And we are, we are in a huge battle with electronics today, brothers and sisters. Our young people need to be encouraged to read good books. They need to be encouraged to read the Bible. They need to be encouraged to read the Conflict of the Ages series. They need to realize that God has called them to a great purpose. And the devil wants to destroy their brains, waste their lives, and then dump them in the lake of fire when he's done with them. He's sinister. And he's trying to pour darkness into people's minds so that they do not see the light and see Christ. Jerusalem was destroyed because the education of her children was neglected and also might be said that Jerusalem was eventually delivered because there were some mothers in Israel who educated their boys correctly, namely Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, however you want to say it, and those men stood for God and God was able to glorify his name and accomplish a great work in the last days. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read a couple quotes and then I'll be done. I hope I've, I've maybe gone too long, but I'd like to wrap it up with this. <clears throat> this is the fifth volume of the Testimonies, page 136. This is a well-known statement. I'm going to read it. It's got tremendous ring and help to it. Fifth volume of the Testimonies, page 136. <clears throat> this is probably my favorite volume out of all the Testimonies. By the way, you know, and it was probably discussed here in class today, Daniel literally stood up at the risk of his life over moral issues. And you and I are naive to think that we are not going to be faced with the same, very same circumstance. We have got to be getting ready for this time. When the, this is page 136, volume 5. When the religion of Christ is most held in contempt, when his law is most despised, then should our zeal be the warmest and our courage and firmest Firmness, the most unflinching, to stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. At this time, we must gather. Listen to the tremendous positiveness in this statement. At this time, we must gather warmth from the coldness of others. Courage from their cowardice. Loyalty from their treason. There's going to be a whole lot of people showing us how not how not to act, and we're going to do the opposite of what they're doing. At this time, we must gather warmth from the coldness of others, courage from their cowardice, loyalty from their treason. May God bless you. Let's pray for each one or another earnestly that we will all meet on the sea of glass and that we can travel more than 70,000 times the speed of light to get to the heavenly city someday soon. It's going to be an amazing journey up through there. And then to see the throne of God and be able to travel through the universe. Brothers and sisters, there will be no tears there. But now there are souls to win. And we have a work to do. May God bless you. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Amen. closing hymn is going to be number 99, God Will Take Care of You. You can stand. It's number 99. <clears throat> Oh!
Before we pray, I would like to make an appeal if there's anyone in this place of worship today that has not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please do not leave here without making your voice known to Christ. I am making my decision now that I will follow you and I will seek your will. And he has promised, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. He will guide you. Depend upon him. Trust in his word. There's a very happy day coming, but the test is coming first. May God bless us. And as far as kneel as possible, let's kneel as we pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the inspiration of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. How they submitted to the divine will, how they loved their heavenly father. And how through affliction they became strong. And they were a specimen of the grace of God and what he can do for those who will trust in him. And they walked with God like Enoch did, constantly praying, constantly studying, constantly seeking to live for him. Lord, I pray that we will do the same, that by control of appetite and passion, by self-discipline, by dependence upon our Lord, we will depend upon thee and that we will grow strong, that when the last trouble breaks out, We will have the peace of God reigning in our hearts and that we will look above the trouble to the throne of God knowing that sin is self-defeating. Christ will come soon to deliver us from our trouble and take his people to the eternal city. Thank you so much for the promises of your word and at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake, amen.